0: This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. Good morning, crime fighters. Overcast. there's a level of uncertainty. (laughs) I brought the umbrella just in case. There's a style of uh, fighting. I think it's called cane fighting. Um, It had an odd odd name. And a local writer, Graham Darling, was talking about it just thinking about it it's like bum- bamboozery or bumblerea or something like that <clears throat> something to look up um, I'm not too sure of topic So let's just walk and talk and see where we end up. For some reason the shadows seem long today. I don't know why. There's a bit of a film noir thing going on. So it's four in the morning, and somebody's driving around at four in the morning. But then I'm walking around, so no problem. I guess I'll continue with planets. I'm talking about planets and just exploring the symbolism of of the uh, days of the week. Let's let's do Mars. So Tuesday is the day of two, which I believe is spelled T I W. And this is a an, an Anglo-Saxon um, version of a Norse. Like say, you can you can um, add these together. And in French, how does it go again? Lundi. Which is Lun Day, like the day of the moon, Luna, and then um Lundi Mardi. And you can see uh Mars Day. <clears throat> so so there are slight differences between Mars and two. But they are both, uh, they're both, it's just sort of going for similarities. Like, say, um, you know, that, that these are warrior deities, just that they share similar features and you know, attributes, and trying to get as close as possible. Just just jumping for a second, I think um I think I think it's Friday, which is from Freya. I'll have to look that up, but I just had a brain wave, so Mars now is um, it really feels like it's the destination as far as Space exploration, as far as human beings getting out there and landing on a planet, you know, it's the it's the next next big step, and yet it's loaded with uncertainty as to whether it's going to happen or not. That's just what it, that's just what it feels like. Um, and we have lots of um, images we have lots of images of that planet we have uh, we've sent landers I love how it's sort of it's we (laughs) Um, but let's just go with that you know it's the United States but let's just go with it And, uh, okay, yeah, so, uh, you know, landers uh, have been sent probes, we've got photographs that have been sent back to us, taking a look at, uh, water on Mars, why, Uh, because we need water, or it would make it much easier if there was water there. Gosh, it really feels darker this morning. Not quite sure why. Seem to be a lot of houses with the, the lights out. Perhaps it's because it's post-Christmas and people are shutting off their lights. So let's see. Mars. I've just thought a couple times of Barsoom, which is... Correct me if I'm wrong. It's uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. And uh, the guy who came up with Tarzan, he also came up with John Carter, Carter, Warlord of Mars. Thinking about it, there's a kind of similarity between... It almost feels like all of the characters are sort of, you know, these... A similar kind of character. It's like, it's like different name, same guy. It's a bit of um, Michael Moorcock's eternal champion. And, uh, and to even if, say, you've seen the movie, you know, you haven't read the books, but if you've seen the movie, you can see kind of like a Tarzan quality to the character. You know, they th- throw a loincloth on him, and, you know, he's wrestling with, you know, monstrous beasts and and, uh, great, almost like Conan the Barbarian kind of fury. But it was John Carter, Warlord of Mars. It's set on Mars. He takes this journey, sort of like, almost like a Astral projection, I think he's running away from uh, some uh, native Americans <laughs> he's hides in a cave and it's a you know magic cave and it transports him. I think he ends up naked on Mars, and he meets these green. Forearmed armed people up there, and human beings as well. One side of it was that I, I got this feeling that there had been kind of a back and forth, that the Native Americans, First Nations, were moving back and forth from Mars and Earth. That was an impression, I don't know if that was true, there's other sort of weird things, though, it, that the the people on Mars they um, they they lay eggs, like they you know giving birth. It's you know via eggs. I could be wrong at that on that point. I might be getting um, it a bit mixed up, but I just remember. Uh, John Carter's love interest. I think her name was Deja Thoris. And uh, I, I just have this memory of that there was an egg involved. But onwards, onwards. I remember seeing um, art by Frank F- Frazetta. And my connection is through uh, the Conan the Barbarian paperback know, these pulp paperback novels. And so I see this, like, really gripping, um, gripping sort of dark furious uh, art. And then along with that, there was, uh, along the line, along the way, I would see pictures of, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs's, um Barsoom books, his uh, John Carter books, and and I can recommend, I can recommend them. They're interesting. They're not. They're not entirely bound up with, with, with the time. How do I mean? Especially later, it gets it gets really creative and interesting, and it's talking about, say, um, the variety of races on Mars and the creation of an atmosphere, and, and say answering. Answering questions that we're still thinking about. So what am I saying? It's not just say trashy pulp, you know, pulp novels, which have their charm, but it has it has an extra level as well that is um, refreshing, like say not not entirely formulaic. Okay, the uh, symbol of Mars that is, you know, used in astronomy and, you know, its predecessor astrology, it is a circle with an arrow, I think it's pointing to the, it's pointing upwards to the right and it was explained to me that this is actually uh, a shield and a spear Um, the opposite would be Venus which is uh, supposed to be a hand mirror I don't know if that's just a, a way of remembering it it would be interesting to with a gargling grr, they're off to work, I assume. But but say but say those two descriptions of Mars' as shield and spear and then um, the the hand mirror of Venus, that those are ways of of remembering them and sort of differentiating them, kind of like a mnemonic mnemonic device what is it well, uh, thinking about the symbolism of the the shield and the spear and and bringing bringing to mind um, bringing to mind the, the warrior and then say if I'm setting some if I'm referencing Mars that I would be that I would want to have at least someone in the story with a Shield and a spear. That is a, a kind of nod. One example that comes to mind is, say, you know, the three hundred, right? All these Spartan dudes with their shields and their spears. They they had helmets and other things, but it it, it was the shield and spear that. Most jumped out. A a personal pop sort of culture reference. It's almost like that we have these layers of references. Um. Uh, David Bowie. A. Pop. Pop rock um, a musician idol, and he he did he did he did a number of songs there's sort of um, space alien s- sort of traveler that uh and there was one song called Life on Mars and so say you know when i'm thinking about Mars and that, that comes up another was that when he was doing this persona on stage he was using the stage name Ziggy Stardust his his band was called The Spiders from Mars and so for me that goes into the mix as well. And I I think about <laughs> I think about that and go Yeah, yeah, you got to have spiders on Mars, right? Or some kind of reference so that somebody will be re- reading it and going, you know, oh, it's a David Bowie reference. I have I have a weird connection to David Boyd, The more I think about it, and I was, as a teen, I was briefly and deeply, um, like say for for a moment, I wanted to believe that it was real. I, I was just um, hypnotized. Um, it, it, it was. It was the. It was the story. It was the you know, a performance and, you know, wanting, wanting the, that person to be a real person, right? And it, it, it was, I think, a good analogy to Santa Claus. And it was sort of like, say, over the span of a year and I, I realized that my, you know, my hero... Was a human being, right? You know, this was a character, and um, I have met people though who <laughs> it seems like they, they, they had, they never stopped, right? That they are, um, and it's like, it's like, oh, you, you think Santa Claus is real still? Oh, I'm so envious. But anyways, there's there's a, a reference. And with the spiders of Mars, there's this science fiction element to the whole thing. So so there's that. And then there's H. D. Wells, who did War of the Worlds, which has had um, numerous adaptations, and I'm, I'm sure you know. But if you don't know, it's the story is basically, um, I guess it would be say Victorian era. We're talking about somewhere in the 19, no, in the 1800s, and that capsules have been fired from Mars and they land on Earth, unscrew, and out out appear these tripods, these machines, these vehicles that uh, the Martians ride around in and uh, devastate, you know, devastate, take over... I'm not sure if in the book they talk about people being captured and harvested, but that seems to crop up later. So I'm not. I'm going to have to go back to the source and and see if if that's in, if that actually um, occurred in the original story. One great ap- adaptation was the Mercury Theater with Orson Welles in the United States and this would be uh, some years later and they do a radio show but what they do is they treat it as if it's actually happening and it's a news show and I, I even saw an adaptation of the adaptation like a movie was done about it and that was interesting so it gives sort of insight into the process of adaptation this radio show and people got quite upset or not, you know some people took it seriously and were uh, freaked out and thought there was an alien invasion Recently, um, Alan Moore, in one of his mashups, he did this. Uh, he did a, he did a combination, and I think it was in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And and there was just this flavor of that he was mashing up H. G. Wells, um, aliens, with. Edgar Rice Burroughs Barsoom so there was this kind of crossover and for some reason I I remember seeing this picture it was like of a flying carpet in this martian mashup and it was only briefly but I wanted to stay I was like Alan more. (laughs) why because uh, it was just so delicious and there was so much detail that had been poured into these few pages I don't know if you know anything about his process you know, that how he writes his scripts but they are um, densely written and when he's describing panels they can go on for pages and there's a there's a pros and a con element to this because you have so much to work with but then you also have this you know abundance there's a richness but then you pay a price as well so i sort of wonder if he if he burns out his artists kind of like you know the the drummers of uh, spinal tap they just explode who's who's spinal tap spinal tap is a fictitious band there's a mockumentary about them and their their drummers would always uh, I just remember their drummers you know that they would burn out their drummers the drummers would not last okay on that note I think what I experienced and what I think what I have experienced in um, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen written by Alan Moore is that is is a kind of synthesis that he's bringing together a lot of disparate parts um, characters from different works nods things like say you know we have Dracula, and then we have the Invisible Man, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, all all existing uh, in the same place. It's it's been done before, you know. There have been movies where we have these crossovers happening, but he does it with with uh, panache. I think. I guess too with him it's a, there's a kind of revelry, you know. He he would never, I don't think he would ever do. Like say, he he definitely is the master of his own. Oh, what? <laughs> Anyways, yeah. I just sense a, a huge amount of pleasure, and in that one um, Martian mashup, you know that they're. There has been this adventure into the researching it. I sort of remember, too, it was that I think that there had been a war on Mars between the H.G. Wells Martians and the Edgar Rice Burroughs Martians. Something along those lines. What did it do? It opened it up and, and it made it new, you know, and it, sort of putting a new slant on it, w- which I appreciated. Another sort of version of, um, I guess it would be an inspiration that. Mars Attacks, which I think is Tim Burton, and so that is a movie, and that would be at least 10 to 20 years ago, and it does, it does feel like there's a, it's, it's inspired by War of the Worlds. But it, it, uh, Mars attacks has a much more um, camp feel to it. E- even though there's you know violence and people being vaporized, um, So I guess it would be uh, uh, black humor. And yeah, so there's, there's that. War of the Worlds had a, a TV show. I believe that was in the 90s. And there were... Something like a spin-off. I sort, I sort of remembered that it was... A bit... Anticlimactic. That... They never got really into the... Aliens. And that it was, it was say eventually they have a kind of uh, human, human beings working for the aliens, right? So it becomes less, um, it becomes more dystopian and the aliens become kind of overlords. That's just my memory of the TV show. It also had a kind of Canadian feel. And what do I mean by that um, there's there's just something about Canadian shows versus American shows like say w- when I'm watching I can tell which one is which and I, I don't know if it has to do with technology that just say you know we're we're behind you know so we're just using some you know, old equipment. There's a kind of fogginess to it. It, It's lacking crispness. And let's see. Yeah, and too, it would be more that it was being produced up here. We do have shows that were shot in in Vancouver. um, American shows. Such as most recently, it was the comic book shows, uh, The Flash, and then, I believe Supergirl was shot up here. I could be wrong. But there's a bit of a tradition of sci-fi shows being shot up here. And then, when the production is American, um, the quality of the show is better, um, that's not to say that the caliber of acting is uh we have we you know we have we have talent up here it most obvi- most usually goes south you know such as captain kirk and many 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 others what did they call it the brain drain so our brains are uh going down to the drain, but that's not to say that the United States is some kind of drainage system. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Uh, (laughs) It kind of flips the tables, though, you know, it's sort of that. uh, I'm sure the United States sees it the other way around. Why are people leaving and going to Canada? Not really. <laughs> uh, let's see. Mars. I I, I think I think one attractive. Part of it is that it's close and that it's not, say, something like Venus, which would be much more difficult. It'd still be difficult to go to Mars, but it seems approachable somehow. Oh, the canals! I just remembered that there's this uh, history of Um, mapping and early on uh, astronomers say looking with telescopes that they made out these uh, what what they what they called uh, I think it started off as uh, there was some kind of translation that happened and it was translated as uh, canals And so there was this notion of water, there was this notion of water on Mars and in the imagination, yeah, so in the imagined Mars, that there was water there because of this translation. I think it was something like it went from the Italian description to English and it became canals which have this association with water and with with canals that you know the mind goes to things like say um, Amsterdam or Venice you know these cities that have uh, waterways And then, of course, if you have canals, then you have boats. You know, do you have gondolas, gondoliers? Um, Canals are made, right? So, uh, some kind of species made these canals. And it's... It's just interesting how that works. You go from one person's... Or people's observations and descriptions. And it sort of blossoms. You know, people start wondering. One big uh, influence on my imagining of Mars was... Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles and I I encountered several adaptations um one was a radio show and I don't know if it was all of the short stories it's actually an anthology and it has some poems in there too but it's wonderful um especially if you like Ray Bradbury's um prose and poetry and just his um, passion I believe that at least one of them was made into a kind of Twilight Zone episode so it was like radio show television and then most of the Martian Chronicles were made into a 1970s um, small series. And I'm trying to think of the guy's name. There was a Hollywood actor that was he, he was in a number of them. And uh, I think it started off that he was at ground control and then later he goes up. I want to say a rock hudson so i, th- I think it might be rock hudson he, who was the you know the kind of big star of the show but it was great because in this mini series i guess it would be called um they had these um the martians looked quite like uh David Bowie and Man Who Fell to Earth. There was this kind of ethereal quality to them. The eyes. Um, I think a difference. that The, the eyes had a, a reflective quality. They were, they were bald. Something slightly um, Grecian to the clothes. Like a kind of toga's. But seeing those episodes lends a a quality to my own imagining, right? And um, they did indeed have canals. And furthering that, I I went and I actually got a copy of Martian Chronicles and read it. and um, That expanded uh, the description of, say, you know, these... Glass cities, abandoned glass cities there's a wonderful um, commentary about colonization and and working two ways like on one on one side there's an analogy of indigenous peoples, and then on the other side there's this scene that really struck, resonated with me that was um, Rock Hudson is meeting uh, his, his sort of counterpart his Martian counterpart and they both believe the other is a ghost you know, and this, this Martian is saying no, I'm alive you know, my city is just over there it's just going out for a walk you're the one who's a ghost you know your your race has disappeared there's all kinds of um there's all kinds of big stuff going on in each of these episodes um, commentary uh, big stuff uh also to uh, talking about say going to Mars. And uh, watching as there's this trouble back home, there's uh, conflict, and as a trying to think of when I saw it, but as a kid, as a teen, as a kid, seeing this, and just sort of you know expanding my thought of you know it's like oh my gosh, you'd be on a totally different world. The problems back home you know that there would be this huge distance and it, it's one of the arguments for colonization right now is that it's better to branch out because if something does happen here you know at least we're we've sort of seeded humanity somewhere else and as well that you know they might be able to you sort of help out you know sort of like the uh, outsider perspective um, So I, I have written manuscripts. I think I wrote some stuff like something like 20 years ago. I wrote a manuscript. Um, that connected, it had uh, this reference to Spiders of Mars, so it was a David Bowie reference. And then I was also pulling from uh, a bit of Dune, a bit of Mad Max, this sort of wasteland desert. And I was doing research, I was like looking up uh stuff you know to sort of like create my own setting, drawing from Ray Bradbury's Martian chronicles, say thinking about these Martians. My own interest seems to be um, this this uh playing with perception playing with world view and what is it why? because it, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm in sort of one particular camp, I sort of feel like I. I kind of shift back and forth, I'll meet people they don't know anything about me and they'll assume that I'm know, a particular type of person and then they might find out you know something else sort of like a blank canvas where there's some something on it and then people will make what is it called their first impression you know oh you're you know this is your age you appear to be this you know gender sex you know this is I can tell by your clothing, this, that, and the other thing, and by your, you know, your facial expression and... and and two, that say that there would there's already loaded all of these assumptions. And so what am I doing with Mars? Well the manuscript I mentioned, it was it had to do with losing touch with uh reality and that um the main character has this experience of you know that they find themselves on mars right and it something like a john carter kind of experience of being you know transported there but at, but at the same sort of going back and forth and going wait a second though how did i get there maybe i'm just imagining this like i've hit my head or something and i'm hallucinating you know and i'm i'm actually in vancouver but it seems to be mars and that, and that was the the basic basic premise of my of my martian experience and uh, yeah just talking about it i would love to go back and Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how much, there's a story there, but I might have to cut so much that it turns into like a a novella or a short story. There's a bit of a nightmare scenario there, but it would be good for it. I'm just walking by this place and they've taken, I think they've taken the Santa Claus on the roof and they've put it down below. But it's cool to see them that it's been lit up all night. You know, that's staying power. So, Mars. Would you go to Mars? At, the, at this point, it's a one way ticket. And I'm sort of thinking about it. It's just like going, well, you know, what would I need? And am I the type of person that could do something like that? Um, there would have to be some level of socialization. Honestly, I don't have, you know, a huge... Right, I'm not uh, extremely social. I'll I'll meet up with people, and uh, but most of the time I'm pretty uh, insular. And uh, so I, I can do parties and I can do public speaking, um, but most of the most of the time. I'm. uh, I'm probably an introvert, with uh, (laughs) flare-ups of extroversion. So I I think yeah. So I think I could do it, as long as it was with people who were of like mind. Um, Because there's some people who definitely don't like being by themselves. (laughs) and uh i understand completely you know i have I have a huge time wrestling with myself on that note on that note uh there's this new movie coming out it's by the director uh, who did get out and the new movie is called us i don't know if it's us movie but it's uh sort of capital u small s and and the first one had to do with the African American experience and um by extension the the American experience and then so this one is about African American family and that they are confronted with um their doppelgangers they'll they're confronted with um these kind of deranged uh, copies and I watched it and I was just (gasps) just, it just got me and I I understood at least for myself and I was like thinking it's like you know this you know it was for me it was an accurate representation of uh, fighting with yourself or for me it was fighting with myself. And I know that it's directed towards the African American community, um, but it but it is universal, and I think I think it's important, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then back to our regular regularly scheduled um, show. How are we doing? Oh, yeah. Okay, we're wrapping stuff up now. It's still dark. I'm not sure what it is. You know, it definitely feels like lights are... Some kind of... Muted... Um, Perhaps it has something to do with the... uh, It being overcast... Maybe people are just realizing that, you know, they're sort of blown their electric, electric bills. Sort of, oh, let's turn off all the lights, save some money. So Mars, yeah. So I, I could go. I sort of feel, too, that I've I've, I've done a bunch of stuff and that uh i'm not ki- i'm not kidding myself though because it it's very similar to say what is it kind of a culture shock like if you go if you travel or if you say go off into the wilderness for any amount of time that it's it's a test of what is it um kind of psychological endurance you know you might have everything but then you start to crave all the stuff that you don't have I went to a meditation retreat for a week this was years ago and by the end besides having amazing dreams like the dreams were technicolor super clear it was almost like, say, the reception. Just, I sort of tuned right in, and and two, you know, for a week, we were encouraged not to talk, and we would, for for the most part, we weren't talking, and. And then when I came back, it was the shock of um, a shock of activity, a shock of people talking. I realized just how calm I was in contrast. Um, the first advertisement I saw was of Zena the Warrior Princess, it was on the it was for for TV, and. You know, she's there with a sword, and they had a meter at the bottom to sort of say, you know, was it action or something? It was like sort of turned up all the way, and it was it was really interesting because it showed me my um, not uh, not barometer, but it. It, it was an experience of say, I guess it's the malleable um, part of of perception, right? That that say you can calm yourself down to a point where, um, you know, coming back is this shock, uh, maybe a mini culture shock. So there's something to be said for getting away. Getting away from it all. I'm just gonna end on a thought, a couple thoughts. Um, Mars as personification, as part of the pantheon of I, I would say that almost archetypal, and that he, it, you know, it's a he, and it, this character is inhabiting. A chunk of our emotional state, right? There's, there's this part of ourself there. There's the fighter, the warrior, the soldier, the general, um, the strategist. Um, but then also there's the vicious brute, the killer, the, um, the berserker. And on and on. And 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 for myself for myself I worry about the, the glorification of violence. And I see that we you know we we cultivate it. We don't completely abandon it. We have we have uber rational people who are advocating for less violence and and then on the flip side we we are kind of in a mexican standoff with uh you know taking sides with world power and it's easy it's easy to say oh well, you know oh can't we just all agree and you know turn our swords into plows you know and become peaceful and uh, yeah so that's sort of like say thinking about this is me thinking about the function and the continued function and that um, Mars that psychological chunk of ourself that say The the worst thing, like say people complain about, you know, like, oh, these people are doing something bad. You know, these people, these other people are doing something worse. And I would like to argue that bottom line, you know, violence is the absolute, absolute worst thing. You know, connected to it, you have, um, you have murder, you know, you have murder, you have, um... Cycle of violence, people being emotionally scarred, um, psychologically damaged. Uh, You know, this—it's a sort of continuation of uh, glamorized uh, gangland violence, um, music glorification of, of crime, breaking the law, violence. Uh, yeah, so in these last few minutes, just, uh, what is it, arguing that, you know, that instead of that being on the top of the list, it's, you know, we have, I'll hear from people who are, you know, for, for myself, considered sort of minor issues, as opposed to, um the the big bad issue um, and two by extension say you know that's getting into um, the the right to bear arms um, you know I I'm somebody who grew up around firearms Um firearm safety i you know i grew up learning uh, how to hunt um you know learning learning how to uh, to 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 do all that stuff you know and and also here i am saying you know look what's it A why because for me i you know, I, I I've said this before too that I, you know, I don't want violence. I don't want my family hurt, my friends. Uh, you know, I don't want to get you know attacked, shot, you know, whatever. And um, e- you know, even even in Vancouver, we have parts of town just a while ago eh? Um, it was actually probably about 10 years now But this um, young woman was uh, here studying Um, I think she was studying English and she did not know she assumed that she was in a safe place I can't remember where she was from but uh, we have a park here, we have a number of parks but Uh, she was down in the city, she was running and, and and she got, she got attacked and, um, brain damage. Like she had brain damage and she will, yeah. I, I don't know if she will ever live the same life, you know, or anyways. Yeah. So there was brain damage after that. And, um, there's that, there's that kind of, the, that kind of pain of wanting, um, you know, so much better, and to you know, this is a symptom. So what's the cause? You know, so why why is it that we why is it that we continue um, having movies? It's it's a really weird thing. But say you start talking about Star Wars, you know, just like the first movie, even, and the amount of people that died on the death star equally you could argue it's like well those you know those jerks on the death star they <laughs> they were was it Alderon that they, they were blowing up planets or they were going to blow up a planet so you know moss you know pick your side <laughs> why do any of us yeah and and to the but the question there is is like you know you know why build a death Star? Why use a death Star um And I think that's getting closer to the closer to the cause and and the weird thing is is as a kid seeing that show and everybody cheers when the Death Star blows up, and as an adult you know i I look at it and I go, "Oh yeah, right, That's a lot of dead people why Why did I cheer and why?" Why is there still a part of me that's cheering? It's like the, you know, catharsis. It's like oh, um, you know. It, let's see. There are there are many movies. I'll just balance it out and say there are many movies. There are many books that champion um, uh, that champion. Yeah that champion peace that champion you know that there's some wisdom that there's um it's not always about violence um, I, I I sort of want to say he's like, oh no, human beings we're better than that, you know, but we do have a side of ourselves, and I think that that's what Mars represents that it used to represent that and it still represents that um we have people that have trouble distinguishing between like say you know they're playing you know a violent game most people you know are able to distinguish distinguish between the the fantasy of the game and the you know versus reality and um also the you know not not having kind of um rage What's it called? There, there's a, there, there's a, there's a word for it, that a um, oh, revenge. That's what it is. Revenge fantasies, that, you know, that, you know, we are animals, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, y- you know, even though we're civilized, we still have this part of ourselves, this sort of tiny rage, you know, that it, it is possible for. Um, you know to be wanting to get back you know to get revenge and uh that th- that can get to the point where we're actually um you know uh, contemplating uh you know hur- hurting other people you know that it gets to that point things have gotten so bad so yeah so i th- i think it's a bit of a, it's a tug of war between the between these two sides of ourselves, and and um, you know that you know that the hope is that uh, the better part of ourselves will will prevail. That said, um, yeah, I, I think I think there's an argument about, and I'm gonna just yeah, I gotta wrap this up. So, um, okay, the argument, the argument is say self self self-defense for example right because if you're just if you're unable to say defend your to to defend yourself defend yourself yeah and so sort of you know keep someone else from hurting yourself and then say others and um, yeah so there's a there's a whole uh, argument there there's a whole um, the, the contrast the contrasting argument of you know you know, yes, we we all want peace, or most of us want peace, and then at the same time, it's you know, but we also want to have the ability to protect ourselves and others um, from violence. So it's a it's 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 a conundrum. I'm sh- I'm sure listening though, it's an easier conundrum, right? You know, no, Moss, it's cut and dry, or something like you know, just call the police, let them figure it out on that note, thanks for listening take care keep writing keep, keep uh, what is it hold, hold true to the course you know and uh, may the wind be at your back and all that great stuff